Welcome to Fuel for Life. I'm Dan Steep, and this podcast is being brought to you by New Beginnings Ministries from Marysville, Ohio, United States. Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So I want to spend some time uh, during this podcast just beginning to look through God's Word and mine out some of the truths from Scripture that are keys to this abundant life that Jesus promised us. So the, the title for this podcast episode is Being Led by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul said in Romans eight fourteen, and I'll be reading the Scriptures uh, from the New Living Translation. He said, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now, that word... The verb led in that scripture is the continuing present verb tense, which really would read, all who are regularly led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Children, another, most of the translations that I read say sons of God. So that really speaks in the original language of a maturity in Christ. So to become God's children... We must be born again. But in order to grow and mature, we must be constantly led by the Spirit. And sadly, that's a rare thing. I know a lot of people who confess to be Christians. I know a lot of people who profess a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but are not led on a consistent basis by the Spirit. We may have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, but we're still very much led by our soul, by our mind, our will, and our emotions. But let me share with you two ways that we achieve righteousness with God. I'm going to define righteousness because it's a, it's a word that's going to show up in a lot of the scriptures that we read uh, in, in this podcast and even in uh, some subsequent podcasts. Uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary defines righteousness as that which is consistent with God's own nature or the sum total of the requirements of God. I'm read that again. Righteousness, defined by Vine's Expository Dictionary, is that which is consistent with God's own nature. Now, if that isn't discouraging enough, the next part is that righteousness is the sum total of the requirements of God. Why can that be discouraging? Well, as we'll see in Scripture, we're called to a, a righteous life in Christ. And uh, so the two ways to achieve righteousness with God that are laid out in Scripture, I just want to take a, a moment to define righteousness for us first so that we had kind of a working definition. The two ways to receive righteousness with God, one is by the law, and the second is by grace. So let's talk about the law for a moment. The nature of law is that it is rules that you must keep. But here's the kicker. You have to keep all of them all of the time. So if you try to achieve righteousness through the law, then you have to keep every rule of the law all the time. 
Let me share a scripture with you from Galatians 3.10. It says, but those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. Did you get that? If you're going to try to achieve righteousness by the law, you have to keep every law all the time. James put it this way in James 2, verses 10 to 11. He said, For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. But the good news of the gospel is something called grace. Grace is completely different from the law in that when you think about grace, think about a gift that you've been given, that you didn't earn, you didn't pay for, it's just a gift, a free gift. Grace is something you can't earn or achieve by working for it. All you can do is humbly receive it. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. In other words, none of us can take credit for it. But there are still some uh, good purposes for the law in Scripture. One is it the law shows us that we need to be saved. The, the law highlights our inability to be righteous in and of ourselves. Another purpose of the law is to show us that we can't save ourselves. I mean, if you just if you read through all of the rules and the requirements of the law, you very quickly come to the conclusion that if the law is my means to righteousness and to heaven one day, then I'm in bad shape. I can't do it. The Bible says in Romans 7, 5, when we were controlled by our own old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. When you do the math, According to the law, the bottom line is death. Now, a third purpose for the law in Scripture is to foreshadow or predict the Savior who would be able to save us. The Bible says in Galatians 3.24, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. The law protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Why faith? Because it's by faith that we accept the free gift of grace that God offers us through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10 and verse 4 says, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. 
That's an amazing verse. That's, that is, you know, the gospel is commonly called the good news. That's the good news of the gospel. As a result of what Christ already accomplished for us, all who believe in him are made right with God. Wow. In other words, it's not what we try to do, but who we're related to that determines the way we live. Another way to say it is it's, it's not what we try to do, but who we are united with that determines the way we live. Grace is God's goodness that we don't deserve. And if God had not chosen to do it, it would never have happened because we are incapable of measuring up. But the bottom line is we'll never understand grace, but we can receive it. But here's the deal. You have to choose. The Bible says in Romans 6.14, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The Bible says in Galatians 5.18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. I want you to notice something about the law and grace. They're mutually exclusive. They go together like oil and water. Let me read that scripture again. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So no law, but the freedom of God's grace. Or in Galatians 5.18, if you're directed by the Spirit of God, then you're not under the obligation to the law. Now, if we try to achieve righteousness by the law, sin will have dominion over us. And if we want to achieve righteousness by grace, we have to lay aside the law because we can't achieve it by the law. That which is only achieved by grace can never be achieved by the law. So let me skip back to Romans 8.14 where we kick things off today. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So how do we live as sons of God? How do we live as children of God? By being continually led by the Spirit. When I think about this, I think about, man, why do so many people insist on what I call a hybrid approach to the law and grace? Why do so many people talk about grace? I'm talking about Christian people that I know. Talk about grace, but then live in this sort of legalistic, it's almost like they're trying to hedge their bet. I, I, I can talk about grace and believe by grace, and I'm saved by grace, but then I'm going to hedge my bet and make sure that I dot all my I's and cross all my T's and try to obey the letter of the law. And I really think that it's, it's pride for some people 
And I think for all people, it's fear. People are afraid to trust God's grace. And I'm here to tell you that God's grace is the only thing that you can trust. The only sure thing that you can take to the bank is God's grace. Because if you're trusting in the law, then that means that you're trusting in your ability to keep the law. And if I were a betting man, I'd bet on God's grace every time. And quite frankly, I would never bet on any person to be able to accomplish the righteousness that God calls us to through the law. Well, the starting point is always entering into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know that it's as simple as ABC. Jesus did not come to make things complicated. That's religion. That's what man does. But Jesus is not about religion. He's about a relationship. And that relationship is all based upon what he has already done for you and me. Our, our simple response is just to say yes. How do we do that? Well, the first thing we do is admit that God has not been first place in our life. In other words, admit that you've sinned. It shouldn't be hard to do if you believe the word of God because the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That doesn't single you out or me out. It's all of us. Then you have to believe that Jesus can save you. The Bible said, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So after we humble ourselves and admit that we've sinned and believe that Jesus can save us, the only thing left to do is confess him as your Lord. The Bible says if you confess that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And I want to lead you in a simple prayer that gives you the opportunity to do just that, to confess him as your Lord. I don't know exactly where you're at in your life. Maybe you've never uh, walked in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Today is your opportunity to come into the family of God so that you can lay your head on your pillow tonight and know that you are saved that you are a child of God and that your ticket has been punched for heaven. So I want you to just repeat this prayer right after me. And in doing so, you're making a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Just repeat it after me. Repeat it out loud. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins and arose from the grave. I now turn from my sins and invite you into my heart and life. I receive you as my personal Savior and follow you as my Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, let me be the first to welcome you to the family of God. Congratulations. You've just made the most important, significant decision 
that you'll ever make in your life. Now, I want to share one more scripture with you as we wrap things up. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Based on that scripture, I have three questions for you. Did you call on the name of the Lord? If you repeated that prayer with me, you most certainly did. Question number two, does God lie? The Bible says God is not a man that he should lie. So question number three, are you saved? Remember, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you call on the name of the Lord and God doesn't lie, then my friend, you are saved. It's as simple as that. It doesn't require going to church. It doesn't require putting money in the offering plate or anything else. You just did all that is required. You confess Jesus as your Lord, and on the authority of God's word, I, I say to you, you are saved. Amen. That's good stuff. Hey, if you're, uh, if you're following along and you like what you're hearing, you like what we're contributing, uh, putting out there for people to help people and, and to bring people to Christ and, and give people a greater understanding of God's Word, I want to uh, give you some opportunities, some ways that you can partner with us uh, financially. Uh, you can text NB Marysville to 77977. That's NB Marysville to 77977. You can also search for us on Cash App at dollar sign NB Give. That's dollar sign NB Give. You can find us on PayPal also. Just search for at NB Give. At NB Give. You can also go to our website at nbmarysville.org. Click on the Give Now uh, button and just follow the prompts there as well. We appreciate each and every person partnering with us. We're a nonprofit ministry, and we're committed to, to reaching the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So listen, look for uh, our next Fuel for Life podcast next Tuesday, and please share it with all of your friends. For more information about our upcoming ministry schedule, uh, check out our Facebook page at NB Marysville. And very soon, we'll have a new website up, and we'll be better able to resource you for your journey into the abundant life. And you'll also be able to see how God is using this ministry to reach a million souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So until next week, remember, God's not mad. He loves you, and so do I.